This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Done. Okay, great stuff. Um, I'm going to talk about something that is so important for all of us in this time that we're living. Do you know that deception, I'm not going to talk about deception, but deception is rife in, in the world today. Deception means it's, it's probably one of the devil's biggest tools. He, he tempts us, but he also deceives us. And when you are deceived, because it's normally Christians that get deceived, deception means you are looking at something and you're thinking you're following the right thing. Um, now, religion can deceive you if you just go through a set of rules. I was in church all of my life, and um, on the 4th of April, 1989, when most of you were not born yet, except Tani Mori, who is 93 years old at the back, um, you know, I went into a teacher's class and I said to him, or to his room, and I said to him, Mr. Smith, the Jesus that you serve and the Jesus that I serve is not the same Jesus. I followed another Jesus, a Jesus of my own making, a Jesus of tradition. And um, to know God, really, we need to know his word. Would you agree? Okay. So you cannot say you know God out of experience. You must know his word. But this word is like a manual for your life. And this word has been written so that you don't, it's not about reading the word so that you can tell people how much you have read the word. It's like a manual of a car. The purpose of reading the manual is to be able to drive the car. Would you agree? And you can, you can quote the whole manual, but it doesn't mean you can drive the car, but you're going to do it more effectively when you drive the car. And that's why you and I will be judged on our obedience and how we've driven the car, not how many times we've read the manual. So you can read it and you're like, woo, scripture a day keeps the devil away. The, you know, oh, the exiles symbolized. They that had hard neck and stiff. Oh, no, no, that's not a scripture for me today. Judah, oh. They will sing and laugh and gather before the Lord. Seek the Lord. Oh, yeah, that's a scripture for me. Yeah? It's, not, it's really to know God. That's why we read the Bible. And there's a lot of people walking away. And especially in this generation where we have become consumers. A lot of us have got a lot of choices. In the Western world especially. If you can decide what you're going to eat every day, it means you are one of the most privileged people in the world. If you can decide that you're going to have two meals and what you want to eat, or if you can stand in front of a till and decide that I want to buy a cool drink and a meal and this, if you have a decision on what your next meal is going to be about, you are probably one of the top 10% of the world. Well, more than 30,000 people a day die because of malnutrition and starvation. So it's amazing how... The world cons us to think like, wow, if I get there, if I have more of that, then I'm going to be more satisfied. (laughs) Well, 99% of people in this room are the privileged of the privileged. So we are trapped into something we call consumerism and the fact that you and I have a lot of choices. And sometimes, and I've told this story before, I walked down Merriman Avenue one day, um, about two years ago, and I said, Lord, why? Why do people so become so familiar with you and they don't really like commit and they just, just like, whoa, you know? And the Lord said to me very clearly, he said, to, it's because so many people have so many choices and I'm just another choice. I'm just another option that they add to their life. And that's not lordship. 
Lordship means he possesses me. He's in control of my life. And so I love it when Jesus sends out his disciples, and this is where we're going to pick up a story in Luke chapter 10. They were not spiritful. They were not, they really didn't know anything. Isn't that amazing that God, you know, he's not waiting for the great intellectual, he's not waiting for you to be equipped and then he uses you. No, he, as he uses you, he equips you. He says, come and follow me and I will make you. So we're talking about being a laborer in the kingdom of God. Is the sound all right? Can all of you hear me at the back? Does it sound all right? Okay, great. Luke 10 verse 1 to 9. After these things the Lord appointed, say appointed, 70 others also, and sent, say sent, them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money, bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house, and whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the 70. Jesus had a group, different groups of people. He had these massive crowds and then... The, the crowns were like more like an inner circle and, and, and this 70 was sort of the core of what he wanted to train and who he wanted to train and obviously there was the 12 and eventually the 7 and the 3 that went up onto the Mount of Transfiguration with him. But in this passage we see Jesus actually sending them on their first mission trip and he says to these 70, look here, there's a couple of things. He appoints them. And you know, most Christians today don't know that they've been appointed by God to be in this world. If somebody appoints you, it means like, hey, in the worldly sense, you have a job description. Okay? You with me? If somebody appoints you, it means there's an office in which you are appointed. It means I've got a position. And that position for us means that you and I are ambassadors for Christ. We're pilgrims passing through. Not of this world. There's so many scriptures that one would like to talk about in this instance. But he appoints them and then he sends them. He commissions them. You know, there's a lot of people that are appointed, but they don't realize I've been commissioned into this world. If you are a Christian, if you're born again today, the most amazing thing is, is you have a mission. And that mission starts the moment you wake up in the morning. For some of us, it's 6 a.m. For others, it's 11 a.m. For some people, it's 2 p.m., some of the students here, but you've been appointed, okay? And you've been sent. You are a sent one. That means there's a commitment appointment that comes, and also an authority, because that's what he says a little bit later. He says, you know, I've given you, and then, then he makes this strange comment that we've probably read. He says, but when you go, there's a problem. You can even be appointed, you can, you know, be sent, and um, the beautiful, the scripture says, just take the previous scripture. The first one, the first line. Another one back, okay. It says there, <clears throat> he sent them before his face. Talks about this intimacy. Talks about this place of like, hi, you're going to go, you're going to go. It's, it's amazing if it's just vague. But once Jesus stands in front of you 
And this is how we must see the scripture. And this is how, if you're a new believer here, this is how you should read scripture, is read as if you are part of that story. Read it in the first person. Read as if you are partaking. So if there's Zacchaeus sitting in the tree, then think of me sitting in the tree as well. Amen? Okay, that's how we read scripture because it's like real. Scripture becomes alive. It's living. It's powerful. And so he says to them, as he appoints them, he sends them. And then this beautiful picture before his face. He's like going to him and saying, hey, Dylan, you have to go. I'm appointing you. Hey, Pierre, you have to go. Christo, you have to go. JD, you have to go. Aiden, yeah, yeah, work. Okay. How old are you, Aiden? Six. Whoa, I like those teeth. Yeah, it's looking good. It's looking good. But it's amazing, eh? When, when there's that intimacy, it's like a personal sending. But a lot of people don't realize that. They think, like, oh, he's a God up there. I must prove myself to him. He's like, you know, he's never going to use me because I'm not like, you know, I don't swing from the chandeliers and I'm not like so, so spiritual like the other people. But it's amazing. God sends each one of us. Every morning when you wake up, your mission starts. The mission for the kingdom of God. And, and once you and I say yes to that, there's, there's such a freedom because we're not working for God. We're working with him. We're partnering with him. Amen. There's this, this amazing journey of the greatest adventure. And this is... What's happening here is these guys are so clueless and he just tells them, go. <laughs> he doesn't say, go there, go there, just, you know. He says, just go. But go two by two, go by agreement. And then he says, but there's some problems here because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I think about 80% of people in the kingdom of God is not laborers today. They're consumers. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a consumer. You know, and we've, we've probably all read some of the, the, the stuff that's happened in the past couple of weeks in the church. And sometimes charismatic churches like ours, prosperity, gospel, we've heard all of that stuff, you know. But just one of these big prophets got arrested two weeks ago, you know. Millions of rands and millions of stuff. But he talks about miracle money and he talks about this and makes stuff appear. And it all, most of it is, lots of it was through witchcraft. And then you think like, how on earth can a group of people be so deceived? How can they follow a man who's once started with God, but then just went into the world? And um, Stephen Lungu that was here a couple of weeks ago actually gave, showed me a video clip of a witch doctor that taught this pastor these tricks. Crazy stuff. But now you think there's thousands of people that would come. But you know, because they're consumers. And if you are a consumer, then it means I'm just in the kingdom for what I can get out of it. And we, we made that way by the, the way the world thinks. It says like, hey, just come because, you know, I don't like the, this shofar because there's just too many people. It's just too hot in there, you know. And, and there's a, there was a big guy standing in front of me and I'm a shorty. So he was like standing like that and I couldn't like see the screen, you know. And, 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 and that guy and, and that short short pastor preaching in, in front there, you know, he's just, his jokes, his flow and all that stuff, you know, then, so we become, I'm not talking about me, I'm lost it, but so, but so, like that, I'll see you outside later, but so, the challenge is, is if you, 
come with a consumer mentality, then you also just go for another event with God. And so a lot of people are living from event to event. And Jesus says, hey, there's, the challenge is, as you go, don't pray for the people. Don't pray for the world out there. Pray for the laborers. Pray that as you go, because the moment when you start walking, you create a space for other people to walk in as well, other Christians that are just consumers. And that's why don't just wait, don't just sit around and be silent because the devil has you the moment when you're silent, the moment when you stop talking, the moment when you start, stop worshiping God. And the, that's why he says pray. Pray that God will raise up laborers as you go. And then in verse 3, he says this crazy thing. He says, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lamb wolves. Now, I want you to think for a moment the picture Jesus draws of the Christian going into the world. Now, take a little lamb or take five lambs, little ones. Now, I come from a sheep farm, so those lambs are just so vulnerable. They're small. They're just like sticking with the mom. But if you just send out a couple of lambs and there's 30 wolves around it there is no way those lambs will survive in the natural there's a lot of will probably be a lot of fear but he says this is the way i'm sending you out but he doesn't say they're going to be destroyed i mean so it's talking about an environment where god's protection will be so over those lambs because lambs talk about innocence, talk about purity. Talks about this because they had to, even when they slaughtered a lamb in the Old Testament, it had to be pure. There was no blemish, no nothing. And that's why the, this picture of Jesus as the Lamb of God is so profound because we're going to worship Him for all of eternity as the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth. So it is amazing if you see this little picture. Jesus says, I'm sending you into this world. It's crazy out there. And wolves, they're going to make a lot of noise. They're going to, they, 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 it's scary. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you some things. I'm going I'm to protect you. I'm going to show you the way. And then he goes on. And he says, you know, don't worry about provision. Don't worry. But when you go, you have to have discernment. Say discernment. He says the, the discernment, so, so he's sending them. He's appointed them. He sent them. He's that from that place of intimacy so don't try and go and do anything for God out there before you've been intimate with him because once you're intimate with him there's a there's a there's a confidence there's a freedom because you're representing him and you're working with him but he says when you go realize that it's a scary world out there but as you go you need discernment because you need to find the man of peace that's the principle he teaches them he says the man or the woman of peace and that's when we as Christians pray for people and we look at the harvest out there we need to find that person that is open for the gospel and that person that are willing to receive and willing to to sort of also give so there's 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 a heart that God has prepared and says you need a lot of discernment because don't just go in there and think like oh everybody's gonna love you and everybody's gonna accept you he says no you need a lot of discernment but you have the ability to leave your peace in that home or that city. Isn't that amazing? You know, some Christians are so afraid of the world or the negative in the world. But the Bible says you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And once you go into that situation and you've used discernment, the ability to see, 
then you can leave your peace in a place. That place will be different once the Christian has been there. Can I get an amen? And that is so crazy. I've told this story before, but there was a lady who was with me at, in primary school, and she lost all of her, what do you say, marbles, mind. She went to green roofs, groendakkies, you know, the malays, the, the male house. No, no, the, what do you call it? The insanity ward. She, was, she lost her mind, okay, basically. And for three years, they doped her with a lot of stuff, but there were two nurses that started to pray for her. And she was also a lot into Satanism, a lot of negative stuff. And I'll make a long story short, because of their prayers for her, she actually came to salvation, and she came with a sound mind. Werner spoke about it last week of a typical guy like that that we find in Scripture. So she came back to a sound mind, started to follow God, and then a couple of years later, I hooked up with her here in, um, in varsity, and we had a coffee and came to visit us at a home. And she said, do you know what the most amazing thing was? When I walked down Victoria Street, I could see the spiritual Christians by a mile. They were like glowing spiritually. I tried to curse them, but I couldn't. I even sometimes walked to the other side of the road. The only problem was they didn't recognize the light that they were carrying. They looked defeated because she could see in the spiritual realm you know the darkness those people can see in the spiritual realm shake your neighbor and say the kingdom of God is near you so Jesus sort of gives them this crash course that says when you go into a place find the man of peace and this is just a sort of a thing we need to think and I'm going to give you some homework everyone think of six people that are men and women of peace people that are open and I want you to start praying for them just bring them to God every day say Lord work in their hearts show yourself to him show your goodness to them because it's the goodness of God that leads them to repentance we pray for man of peace and woman of peace and sometimes there's this one person in a friend group that will come to know the Lord and then it will be like a domino effect everyone else will get saved because of that one person how many of you have been that man of peace or that woman of peace, raise your hand. Anybody like that? Well, okay, now everybody's shy. Okay. Yeah, thank you, sea bears. Okay. But then everybody, everybody's like, you know, it's just like a domino effect. Suddenly everybody says like, whoa, I could not believe that Max could get saved. I could not believe it, you know. And then a lot of people will come to salvation because of Max, because Max drank so much in Indrach. But so Max, then everybody says like, Max, we love you. You are the coolest guy ever. Okay. But that's because Gideon was like inviting him to church and praying for him. And, and over a long time, Max was just rebellious and uh, just wanted to run away. So let's continue. Are you still with me? I know it's a bit hot. Take one breath out of five, each five minutes. Okay, then there's enough, enough fresh breath in here. Okay, so Luke chapter 10 verse 17. Then he turned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then Jesus gives this promise. He says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So this 70 eventually comes back, and Jesus marvels, and he says, Whoa, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And they say, Wow, the demons are subject to us, and it is cool. This kingdom is so cool this is the most amazing events we saw in the most amazing adventure and then Jesus says nevertheless 
Don't let your primary joy be in what you do for me. Let it be because you know me. That's where we find our real joy. It's because we know God. And you know, the devil traps you and I the moment when we start to forget what Jesus has done on the cross. The moment when you lose that and neglect that great salvation. And that's why he says, you're going to be like a lamb, but I'm going to protect you. But you need to keep your heart guarded. You need to stay in that place of innocence and purity because the devil is going to say to you, no, you're not good enough. No, you'll never make it. No, God can't use it. But it's not about you. It's about him. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.